Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to this week's conversation over the text of the fifth Sunday of Easter. You can listen to those readings on the reading podcast that was dropped yesterday. And today our guest is Mr. Joe Pearson, former vicar of Holy Cross. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. So for those of you who may not know me or want a refresher, I'm Joe Pearson. I'm a fourth year seminarian. So Coming up on uh, call day and graduation, uh, we're recording this just about a month out from call day. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. By the time this drops, call day will have happened, I think. We're pretty close, yeah. Because it's five weeks away. Yeah. So by the time you hear this, I will be uh, called to a congregation, which is exciting to think about. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's really great. So um, I'm married, been married for Going on four years now. My wife, Hannah, is a uh, band director at Lutheran High School North in the city, uh, St. Louis, that is. And, um, yeah, originally from Arkansas uh, by way of Seward, Nebraska, the Harvard of the Concordia University (laughs) system. (laughs) Um, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there, Um, did my pre-sim education and got a, a bachelor's degree in history. There and now enjoying time at the seminary and looking forward to heading out on a call. Um, going to be a sole pastor and have no idea where they're sending me, which is a a blessed waiting. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just just trusting in God to uh, send me where He needs me and where His church needs me. And I really like a quote from CFW Walther in one of his evening lectures. Um, he talks about the place where a a Lutheran seminarian gets called to should be heaven on earth to him. He shouldn't, you know, whether it's in a, a prairie or I'm going to, I'm going to botch the quote, but whether it's in a prairie or a desert or a bustling metropolis or just a, a clearing in the woods, he shouldn't exchange it for the kingdoms of the world. Because if the angels don't bellyache about being sent to sinners to minister to them, why should we poor sinners have any qualms about going wherever God sends us. Absolutely. Um, I like that. So I, I'm, I'm really excited. And so I don't know where I'm going, but I already love it. There, <laughs> well, and as you said, by the grace of God, we go and that's what we get to trust. And he will so see fit to establish the work in and through you. And our prayers are with you. And with excitement, we look forward to hearing where you get to go. Uh, before we move into the text, how has your fourth year been? It's been really good. Um, I <laughs> had an interesting semester uh, this semester. I had a lot of electives because in your fourth year, you get a lot of elective courses. And uh, we, we get our classes sort of by a lottery system. Mm-hmm. Uh, your number gets pulled and you get the classes you picked. And then the guys who get pulled last maybe get their second choices. Um, and I front-loaded my semester because there were a lot of really interesting classes I wanted to take. A man and woman in creation, uh, Muslims in the gospel. Um, oh, man, I'm already forgetting what other classes I took. Uh, worship and culture. 
just a lot of these classes I thought were really going to fill up really quickly, and they didn't. I, I got everything <laughs> I asked for, and so I had a, a full schedule uh, last quarter, so I was working from dawn till dusk, and uh, now the semester that just started yesterday, or the quarter that just started yesterday, I'm down to two classes, oh, so I have wow. all this time on my hands, um, which is probably not a bad thing at the end of seminary, because yeah. uh, pretty soon we'll be packing up our apartment and getting ready to move, and the weather's nice, so I get to go be outside and not have to sit at my desk and read. And do podcasts. And do podcasts. Yeah. I have all kind of, all sorts of time. So um, this fourth year has been really interesting. Good. Um, you know, of course, COVID has kind of put a damper on things, but um, you know, we, we, Hannah and I have been blessed that we haven't gotten sick. Um, and so we're, we're blessed in that regard and, you know, life goes on. Uh, we're still able to do in-person classes at the seminary. We have small enough class sizes and large enough spaces that that's feasible. And, um, the social aspect is of course a little bit, um, you know, down from, yeah. from where it was before, but certainly still the, the community in the seminary is very strong and it's good to be with, with brothers. Wonderful. Well, moving into our text, I would like to look at the gospel lesson, St. John chapter 15, and it's Jesus speaking. Now, the resurrection has happened. We're still reveling in this fact. We're still celebrating. Life has come. Life has been redeemed. Salvation is ours. And we have this statement from Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And I really like this aspect because it's the grafting into Christ. We're made apart partakers of Christ. But the big thing is, we don't do this. This isn't on us. We do not connect ourselves to Christ. Christ connects himself to us, that his lifeblood, that his um, work, grace, mercy, peace, so on and so forth, flows in and through us. And I really like the aspect to bear fruit. And this is always interesting because I like to be told what to do. I like checklists. I like the idea that, okay, let me do these things, and then poof, I have completed it. I don't get a list from Jesus. And being connected to him, I still don't get marching orders. To be a Christian, it means to do this. He does something as absurd as saying, bear fruit. And this is just your faith. In your faith, go bear fruits. Any idea what he's talking about? So what's going through my mind is uh, my wife keeps houseplants, and she loves her houseplants. Um, and those plants have no idea how good they have it. Uh, <laughs> she is um, all over them, just constantly checking on them and seeing how they're doing and pruning them uh, so that they grow more. And she's overjoyed when they bloom. Mm -hmm. uh, she's got a Christmas cactus that's supposed to bloom once or twice a year, but uh it loves her back so much that it blooms all the time. Wow. Uh, she, I think it's gotten like, th I'm going to get it wrong, but I think three or four cycles this last year. Wow. Um, so it's just, it's blooming more than it's supposed to. And mm. a lot of her other plants are just doing super, super, super well. And she's overjoyed to see them growing. And I, I like to think of that in the sense of Jesus, the vine dresser, looking at us. 
And <clears throat> this this idea of bearing fruit is often in like a sacrificial sense mm-hmm. rather than a sacramental sense. The idea that we do something for God. But it is really sacramental that God gives us life. He gives us our daily bread. He gives us redemption and all these things. And he causes us to grow and causes us to live in this life that he has brought us into and rejoices with us as we live in him, as we bear fruit in in him uh, connected to the vine. Well, I think that's an interesting thing that you've brought up. You know, verse uh, 1 in John 15 talks about how, you know, my father, that's God, is the vine dresser, but it's Christ who's the true vine. It's not just that Jesus is is taking care of us. Mm-hmm. It's not just that he's like, oh, I'm going to check up on you once a day, make sure that you're getting the water and the fertilizer or whatever you need. We are a part of him. And I, I, I think that's such a huge, huge concept to unpack, the idea that we are the branches of this vine, the vine being Christ, that we are not something separate, but intimately and personally connected to him. And because of that, to each other. Yeah, definitely. And what I like about that is this immediately sets up community. Because, uh, and I think we're really bad about this in America. We look at church as something I personally do. I just so happen to show up at the same time everybody else does, but it's me and Jesus' time. Uh, I'll do it on my time. I'll do it when I want. It's personal piety. Now, there's nothing wrong with personal piety, but these are the things that should drive and strengthen your communal aspect of what you have in the faith connected to the body of Christ, connected to your fellow branches in the true vine. And I I like the idea of sacrifice and sacramental. The sacrifice is to really live in community. How do I benefit others? How does my life connect to others? And this isn't arrogant, like, I now have to take care of everybody because only I can do it. No, we actually get to stand next to each other in support. And it doesn't mean that I know any more than anybody else. It just means we're in this together to receive, and this goes back to the sacramental aspect, we receive the gifts of God so that we can serve one another in those gifts. And this is love. This is mercy. This is peace. This is forgiveness. And this is restoration of relationships. This is the continual friction we have on this side of heaven with relationships. And when it's restored in Christ, we then get to look at each other and work for that continual restoration, that continual connection, which is really hard plain and simple, because we have personality conflicts, personality issues, uh, we're sinful by nature, but we have this promise. And again, as uh, Mr. Pearson was saying, the idea of bearing fruits in Christ, it's not my work, but, and I love this, I get to participate. And this participation thing is really hard because at the end of the day, I want to be lazy, and I just want God to do it. And I want to reap all the benefits, but I don't want to participate. I just want it to be done and then have the glory of the work being done. I want to receive the gifts. I want to live in his fruits, which, of course, is the resurrection, is the forgiveness of sins. But if this doesn't fundamentally change me, what do I have? And who am I? That's a big thing you brought up there, the idea that 
being connected to Christ changes yeah. us. And I, I know the wheels are turning in your head. I've, I've been hanging out with you long enough that, uh, that I know where you're going. And yeah. so I, I would like to, to bring up just a little bit here a topic that our listeners might not be as familiar with, which is a topic called theosis, the idea of, of participation with Christ, of becoming Christ. And I don't want to dive too deep into that, but could you just explore that a little bit in this text? Well, I would like to just look at the idea that uh, this is the sanctified life, but it's the sanctified life in Christ. And the idea in baptism in faith, you have Christ who comes to you. And because of who Christ is, true man, true God, we get to have the divinity of God in us, and we get to become divine. Now, this is little g, not big G. Uh, we can know at no time look at people and say, I am God, worship me. Uh, but the idea that, especially in the resurrection, we are connected to life everlasting. I can't earn this, and this isn't anything that I can do on my own. I don't care how hard I concentrate. I don't care how hard I close my eyes and see the little sparkly things. None of this will ever be because of me. But because Christ has connected himself to me, I get to have his divinity work within me. And so with this, it's a connection, but this connection changes me. Right. So now I get to be a part of his work in and through me, and it's his life. And St. Paul's really big about this. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. With this, again, goes back to participation, understanding, listening, trusting, and having faith that this work takes place. And again, my sinful nature, yes, I want Christ to reside in me, but I want him to take over and now I'm just a shell and God will do all the work. No, I participate. And that's the faithful life. And again, the, the abstract or the general statement, bear fruit, that's in your vocation, that's in your life, that's in your situation, but that's also in Christ. Yeah, I think maybe a way to get at this that's maybe a little more familiar for a Lutheran listener mm -hmm. is this idea of baptismal identity. Right. Who are you? Right. Um, whose name is put on you. And, you know, when you're in church and you cross yourself, mm -hmm. um, that's reminding you that you bear Christ's name and Christ's claim on you. And that at the resurrection, it's this very body. You know, I'm, you can't see me, but I'm hitting my chest. Like, this guy has Christ on me in my flesh. Um, that Christ is really all, all over me and in me. And that's, that's this idea of being connected to him. This idea of living in and through and with him. Well, and again, going back to the, just the first uh, verse of uh, St. John, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser, every branch in me. And again, we're connected to that where it's his lifeblood, his energy, power, might, strength, so on and so forth flows into us. And we're receiving that. Our, our, our branchness, so to speak, doesn't change. We're still the branch. We're just connected. And I like what you said. We become who he says we are. We're not just branches next to the vine. We're branches in the vine. And again, I really love this communal aspect because if as individuals we have Christ in us, as the body of Christ, 
that is the exercising of his work as a community to live in this grace, this mercy, but to bring this out into the world because it should never stay only in church. Well, I think we have a, a slight problem, and you brought this up kind of more towards the beginning, which is that because of where we live, because of the culture that we have grown up in, I'm actually not convinced we have a really solid idea of what community is, period. I'd agree. Like, I think a couple months ago, we were even talking and we were saying, what is an example of a, a true community that you have been in? Like, just any kind of community. It doesn't have to be church. But just to really take a minute and, and think, okay, have I ever actually been a part of a group of people whose goal is to, to serve each other and to work towards something unified, not individual. Because, like, I think about, say, Boy Scouts, for example. Because, like, I think there was some community in Boy Scouts, but also I was really focused on my own individual goals of working towards Eagle Scout and all of these things, and everybody else just happened to be there. And there were some aspects of community, but it wasn't, it wasn't the whole thing. So can any of you guys, like, and I'm, I'm truly asking, think of some really good examples of communities that you have been a part of. So something that is going to forever just occupy space in my mind is when I was growing up, uh, my dad's a musician, my sister's a musician, I'm a musician. Um, we would have all my dad's musician buddies over on our porch on Wednesday nights for a porch jam. And every Wednesday night, we'd you know, set out the, the string lights on the porch, and people would put out their lawn chairs in the, in the yard. And we'd have 10 or 15 musicians up there all playing different uh, folk instruments, typically, um, playing music. People just spontaneously came. Uh, it sort of spread by word of mouth. There was not really a whole lot of organization. We sort of picked songs uh, that we all knew or could follow along with and would work together. And it was just really an outpouring of joy. There was no agenda. There was no um, rigorous structure. And it was really just let's come together for the purpose of enjoying time with one another, um, gathering together around something that is really pleasant and something that makes us, makes us happy and lets us be around uh, the people that we love. And of course, this isn't like a sanctified mm -hmm. right, right. <laughs> community. No, yeah. This is this isn't something where we were really doing anything uh, terribly service oriented, but just that idea of having a genuine community that no one's compelled to be here. Yeah, uh, no one is expecting anything of anyone else. I guess you're expecting that you'll tune your guitar um, <laughs> and that you'll stay in time. But that's just out of care for somebody else. You know, we would joke, um, "We're stopping to tune because we love you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People be like, why'd you stop playing? It's like, we, we care about you. We want to stop to tune our guitars. Um, but this idea of having just this spontaneous, joyful mm. exchange that, that we all understood we were just here to, to enjoy one another. Um, that gets at a little bit of who we are as the church. Right. We come here because we love it here. Mm. We come here because... This is, this is a place where you encounter God. Yeah. When you walk into a Lutheran church, you shouldn't just expect to hear words. You should expect to have God actually come into your life and forgive your sins. You should expect God, you know, in communion to be in your hands. In the sermon, you should expect the Holy Spirit to speak through the spoken word into your heart to make an effect on you, to kill you and make, a, make you alive in the law and the gospel. And, and that's why this gospel text is not just a distant metaphor, but actually 
a, a very present reality that is constantly changing us. And as you pointed out, that's because we are directly encountering God through worship and in community every single week, which is really, I think, what this this podcast is all about, is getting right, preparing for Sunday, for that encounter with God, for God to come down to us and for us to participate together as a community in Christ through communion, through Christ's real body and blood that, as you said, we can hold in our hands and taste in our mouth through the, the words of absolution, forgiveness that the pastor speaks as if Christ himself were speaking those words to us. And then the, the constant and present proclaiming of the word for our lives that's supposed to shape and form us and change us. This is not an idea. This is a life. Well, and I like going to the end of this text. Uh, Jesus starts throwing this word around, abide. And I, I love that because we don't use it. We don't look at people, abide with me or abide in this. And I really like that word because, again, it shows this intimate connection. It's relation. It's community. It's life. And I really like that because the community question, I grew up as a military brat and got to move around the world. And we did this about every four to six years. And so, the moment you developed community— you moved. And that was kind of my experience, too, because I moved around a lot as well. And uh, I don't know if you had the same experience, but uh, in the military, you would move and somebody would be there to show you around, welcome you, and so on and so forth. But everybody else was transient. And so it was an immediate, we're in this situation together, we have this common ground, and we were friends for the time we were together. Mm. So you had this immediate connection and community. But at the heart of all of this was my family. And it was my family that always was the constant. Now, with that, it becomes a lot smaller, and I have to be a part of my family. I, I can't live somewhere else or so on and so forth. But that abiding together and then into the greater community, but you always had that foundation and support. And I like that, that idea for the congregation and the church. That's my family that I can go and live a little bit outwards in the world, but I have my foundation here. I have the the promise of support, promise of love, promise of connection, because this family, the family of God at Holy Cross, abides in the Word, and that Word, of course, is Christ to be lived out. Yeah, something I wanted to bring out about that, because you kind of touched on it a little bit, the idea that you don't pick who you're in community with. Right, mm. yeah. Um, community is given to you. Yeah. You're put somewhere. You were born in some geographical location to some people, and you probably had brothers and sisters. You didn't pick them. Um, and, you know, we, we confess that the family is the most, the simplest and most concrete unit of society. Um, it's the foundation. most fundamental foundational unit of society. And communities grow out of families just because mm. it's just a biological reality. Right. Um, and so, the idea that you don't pick who you're in community with, and in, I think it's the Apostles' Creed, Large Catechism, uh, Luther talks about, third article, um, so talking about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, Luther talks about one of these kind of soft marks of the church. We talk about the marks of the church, word and sacrament, but these other things that sort of identify what the church is, it's the saints bearing with one another. Mm -hmm. It's the idea that you're in it with these people. Um, they are your fellow worshipers. You're you're all here in the pews together, 
And what I really like to stress on this is it's practice for the hereafter. Yes. Because you're going to be in heaven with these people. Yeah. You might as well start getting along with them now. Yeah. Um, and you might as well start learning to live in community with people here and now because the church is the temporal showing of the hereafter. Yeah. It, it's the sort of the manifestation of what God is bringing in the new Jerusalem. That we we are brothers and sisters in Christ, united in Christ, living in him, living in and through his word. And so we have this this connection to one, one another that's sort of um, outside of ourselves, beyond ourselves. Well, and that I think is is kind of really getting at what it means to be a unique church community, not just a community like like we were trying, like your your musician friends, like the military community, but to be a, a church community is necessarily grounded in Christ mm-hmm. because to be a church community is to bear with one another in grace. I, I think of myself and the times that I've truly experienced community and it's among friends who don't, when I ask for something, don't ask, well, what do I get out of it? Mm. It's, it's among people who, you know, they ask me for something and I don't think, ah, this is payback for the time that I did this, uh, but I just, just do it and I forgive their, their sins. We live in, in, in grace, seeing each other as these valuable members of something together and that nothing can really pull us apart. And that gets at the uniqueness of, of, of the church community. And it has to be grounded in Christ. It has to be grounded in the vine because it's not really possible for us to step away from our, what I would call transactionalism, our kind of quid pro quo-ness that kind of seeps into our all of our relationships. It's not really possible for us to step away from that without Christ who brings his non-transactional grace to us, who gives that to us and then turns around and gives us to each other. I think a while back I was talking about Jesus on the cross mm-hmm. and one of Jesus's last words. I think I brought this up maybe in a previous episode a month or so ago uh, that Jesus says to, to John, behold your mother and says oh, no. to his mother, behold your son. He's giving them each other. He's giving them each other to be in a certain sense, Christ to each other. To, to be Christ embodied to one another. And I think that's incredible. And that's what the church community means. Christ has put us together. We don't choose this. We have been made a family. We have been made sons and daughters of God through adoption in Christ and have been given each other to be Christ to each other while we all dwell in him and receive his good gifts. Well, just to echo that, you got Jesus as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. We're nothing without him. But both of you in various sermons have hammered home the aspect that we get to look at our brothers and sisters with Christ-like eyes, not our own, and looking at them and realizing Christ died for them. Now we have value, now we have worth, now we have community, but this all roots back into Christ and we're connected to Christ which then means that we're connected to one another, and we should act like that. And I really appreciated the, the, the imagery that you painted, that we probably should get along here because we're going to be stuck in eternity with these people. And with that, we should really change our perspective. Why are we not celebrating each other? 
Why are we not building each other up here and now and having the fullness and the fulfillment of the resurrection even grander, even bigger, even more amazing with all that we have in what Christ has delivered. That is the joy of community. That's the joy of the gospel. And that is the joy of life in Christ, especially here at Holy Cross. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable. And of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.